The Journey and Its Adventures. We're in a series right now entitled The Journey and Its Adventures. And, and here's the idea. The idea is our God journey is the greatest adventure that we will ever experience in our own life. It is the adventure. I think last week I pinned um, God is the main storyline in our journey and he is the adventure. So you think about that just for a second and you, and you think about like um, movies, like anybody like movies, right? Yeah, well, evidently quite a few people do because it's like a huge industry. <laughs> just like the NBA. I'm going to keep on you guys about that. Like nobody knows what the NBA is. The National Basketball Association. Anyway, so, but, but any great movie has an unbelievable storyline and I'm really good at napping with one eye open if I'm watching a movie with Raina that I'm really not into. And I know none of you other men in this room would admit to that because you just nap with both eyes closed, none open. But I'd be like, she'd be like, oh, this is, yeah, sweet, baby. That's awesome. Yeah. But, but the, the journey of a movie, and, and I think about the journey of our relationship with God, and I think about the Bible and every movie ever produced, ever, you can find that storyline in this book. Right? Up, down, oh, well, almost every. No, really every. Yeah, no, every one. And so um, the Bible is so encompassing and so adventurous and so amazing. And our journey with God should re- reflect his, his relationship with us as he had with people in this book. So the journey and its adventure. So today, we're going to look at Elisha. Elisha and his adventures. So Elisha is different than Elijah. And so if you're new to the Bible, let me just set you up right here. Elijah was an unbelievably awesome prophet of God. He, up until the point where God does his deal with Elijah, he had more miracles were done in Elijah's life up to that point in the Bible when we get to to 1 Kings than any other person in the Bible. Elijah was the one on Mount Carmel. Elijah was the one who called down fire and defeated 450 witches and warlocks. This is Elijah. Elijah, is his, his season of ministry, his life's about to come to an end. And God said, look, I'm going to take you away. And so enters Elisha. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start the story from the end of the story. You ever watch one of those movies where the movie starts and there's like crazy stuff going on? And you're like, did I, was I asleep? Did I just miss something? Like, did, like, I thought I was awake, like, you know what I'm talking about? So they show the end, and then they go back. And then all, out, all throughout the movie, it's like, oh, and it's building up to figure out what happened in that scene. That's what we're going to do today with the story of Elisha. So here we go. 2 Kings 13, 20 and 21. Elisha died. So that's the end of the story. <laughs> Maybe. And was buried. Now, Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Once while some Israelites were burying a man. Suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Get me out of the way. You get in our way, Lord, and and help us to understand the adventures of the journey that you have us on. Amen. Number one, the journey always starts with an encounter with God. First Kings 19, 19 through 21 So Elijah went from there and found Elisha. Now, again, remember, I've set this up for you. God's told Elijah, I'm coming for you. Your season's over with. 
And so you're going to pass your, your baton off here, so to speak. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss, kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. So, Kim, let's go back to the point. The journey always starts with an encounter with God. So here we have Elijah who has done amazing things, and then we have Elisha who's out plowing a field. Now, we know he's a pretty successful farmer because you just didn't have that many oxen in that day. We also know he's a hard worker because he's behind one of the plows, and he's doing his thing. He's just doing his thing, doing what he does every day. I'm going to plow this field up. I'm going to plant it. I'm going to watch God do his thing, and I'm just going to keep doing my thing. Have you ever been just doing your thing, and God shows up and just wrecks your world? Like out of nowhere, it's like, bam, what just happened? That's what happened to Elisha. Elijah went from there and found Elisha's son, Shaphat. He's plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving a 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Now, most of us are not familiar with the word cloak. Cloak was a piece of material that prophets would wear in that day. And when you were anointed, let's just take David, for instance. When David was anointed, you bend down, and the anointing oil would go on your head, and it would leak down on the cloak, and then it would drip down. And so it represented the presence of God. So when Elijah took his cloak and threw it on Elisha, something happened. There was, there was an encounter with God that totally wrecked Elisha's life. So much so that he said, stop. I ain't going to do it. Wait a minute. <laughs> I ain't going to do it. So much so that he, he puts Paul's on life. And he runs after Elijah and he says, hey, 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 wait. Let me go kiss my mom and dad goodbye because I, I need to go with you. Something just happened in my heart. I just encountered God. The presence of God just infiltrated my soul and it's changed everything in my life. And so Elijah's like, dude, what did I do to you? Like, no, I did what God told me to do. Go back and wait for God to tell you what to do. So then Elisha, as we'll see today in his journey, he comes to many crossroads. He goes back and instead of putting the plow in the barn and the cows out to pasture, just in case this God thing didn't work out, he takes the plow, chops it up, uses it for wood. He butchers the cattle, puts them on a fire, and then invites his whole family and friends and neighbors around to have a big cookout. Just to say, I'm in. I am all in because I just had an encounter with God and I've never known God this way. I'm all in. There's no church. Like we used to call it church hokey pokey. Put your left foot in, put your left foot out, put your left foot in and you shake it all about. Yeah. Yeah. Christianity hokey pokey. Elisha's not into that. Something happened in that moment that so just wrecked him that he was like, I'm done. I'm done here. I'm done plowing this field. Like, that doesn't even seem important to me right now. I am going to chase after God with everything that is in me. And so 
So he, he gets, Elijah anoints him. Go to, go to verse 20, Kim. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. So, verse 21. So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people when they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his, say that word with me, attendant. See, when you have a true encounter with God, you don't need a, a title. I want you to hear that because I know some, some of us in this room today, we look at other people like, well, you know what? I wish I did that and I wish I could do that. If you track back on other people that are having success in ministry and are in life, there was a point at one point where they jumped ship and said, God, I trust you. I'm going to step out. An altar much like this right here 17 years ago. And, and we used to have Sunday night church. I know that's a foreign concept for some of you here. And it's a foreign concept because you wouldn't come. So, but we, we have saying, and Sunday nights were so special and sweet because pastor would preach and then, you know, it would just invite everybody to come to the altar and you just, you know, basically lay around at the altar and pray and, you know, and I, I remember this one Sunday night, I'm, I'm at the altar and God encounters me, like encounters me. Like he came and found me, picked me up, slapped me and put me back down and encountered me like and it was so much and so here's what God asked me he said Jason will you follow me with all your life I didn't know what that meant but I did and I'm not weird or wacky or anything like that but I will tell you that as I was praying in my mind's eye I saw the Lord come to me and call me like will you follow me with all your life I saw that and you can say I'm stupid if you want to I don't care because I saw it (laughs) like it doesn't matter to me what you say um, in, in reference to that so, so it scared me to death, like freaking scared me to death. I didn't tell anybody for a year and a half. For a year and a half, I hid that in my heart. And I'd be driving. I had a great job. I had a really good job. Raymond and I finally made it out of the city. We bought a farm, bought a farmhouse, five acres, had a barn, had a four-wheeler. I could be in my deer stand within five minutes of drinking my last cup of coffee. I mean, it was like my whole dream. It was my dream for my life. It was just that. I was living the dream for my life. And did I mention a four-wheeler? Okay. So anyway, so I didn't tell anybody because it scared me. I mean, literally, I was like, oh, God, what do you, yeah, I mean, you know I'm saved and you know I'll follow you, but what do you, and it just started to become evident that he was asking me to follow him, like lay down my life and follow him. All that came from an encounter. Now, when I finally gave in and said, yeah, God, I'll do that, I didn't know what entailed after that. I didn't know that teaching uh, Sunday school to a bunch of bratty seventh, yeah, seventh graders. Yeah, I didn't know. And then I didn't know it entailed youth trips with a bunch of stupid teenagers. And, it, and I, didn't, I didn't know it entailed uh, planning a church and moving away from my family. I didn't know all of that, and God's cool like that. He, he, he's cool like that, because if I would have seen all that at once, I'd be like, oh, no, that's the pizza. It's not God. It's not, this is not happening. But God's cool. He'll let you just take a bite at a time for his destiny for your life. It's kind of like, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it a bite at a time. And so, so anyway, the idea of the fact that I'm even standing here today is from the fact that God and I, I encountered God like really encounter God. So if you're here today and you're like, you know what? I don't know that I've ever encountered God. He wants to be encountered. And if you'll stay in, in the word and be faithful, there are some times in your life where he'll come encounter you. 
And so that's where Elisha is. Elisha's at this place, and, and the presence of God, it encounters him at such a place where he gives up everything, he takes off. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I've been praying this. I'm going to resign from my job tomorrow. I knew I wasn't supposed to have a job. <laughs> you need a job. If you want to eat, you got to have a job. So just, But some of you might be here, and God's been tugging on your heart to start a ministry, to do something else, to do something further or different. And, and if you're not clear on that, you got to have an encounter with God because that's where it all starts. Because here's the deal. When God encounters you, you can have rough days, but you know that you know that you know. See, I know God called me into ministry. I can't, I can't deny that. I've, me- I've messed up at times. It, it's hard at times. It, it has, it's been a journey. It's been a ride. It's not all perfect. It's not all fluff. And I assure you, it's not all icing. But on those hard days, I can, I can shut my office door and say, God, I want to quit. But I know that I know that I know that I know. And I know that I know that I know that you called me into the ministry. And since you called me, you're going to sustain me. And we're going to keep moving forward. And so an encounter with God is paramount to begin your journey. Number two. The journey takes commitment. So what was that word, attendant? So that's right. And then later, the story reminds Elisha that Elijah, or Elisha reminds us that Elijah is his master. So that word attendant is like a servant. He set out to be a servant. He left his home to be a servant. 2 Kings 2, 1-6, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you not know the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. In other words, shut up. Yeah, I know. I've been with this guy for a long time. I know he's leaving me, but I still have a job to do. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. And I've preached this about a couple years ago. This passage is really, really, really good for Christians who serve that have a tendency to get offended. Because here's Elisha that left everything he knew to serve Elijah. And now Elijah's like, all right, this is my moment of the hour. Go away. Go away. And I kind of think that Elijah's testing Elisha out. Like, are you still in? Like, are you really still in? And so three times, and all these other prophets are coming up to Elisha going, hey, don't you know? And and Yes, I know, but shut up. Like, I'm going to stick. I was called to do this, so I'm going to stick by my master's side. This is is one of my favorite ideas of the Bible, and it's, it's a thread throughout the whole Bible. So the two of them walked on. If you're here today and your marriage is struggling, don't don't vamp, don't jump out. 
walk on. You may have somebody in your life right now and you know you've been needing to call them because they're going through hell on earth and you're just too busy and too important and they're walking alone. Elisha said, I refuse to let you walk alone. I love that. So the two of them walked on, arm in arm. Let's keep walking, buddy. I don't know what God has and I don't know, you know, I know he's going to take you. I don't know how it's all going to break down, but I am going to walk with you. That I am not going to, I'm not going to quit on you. I'm not going to leave you behind. I'm not going to go do my own thing. I'm not, I am, yes, I'm tired of washing your clothes. Yes, I'm tired of washing your feet, which attendants would do. Yes, I'm tired of cleaning your dishes. But I, I've been able to do it because I know God called me to do it because I had an encounter with God. Now, you're telling me to leave you. I'm not going to get offended by that. I'm not going to get offended that you want me to go away because God called me to you and I'm going to keep walking this journey out. The adventures of Elisha are amazing. He said, I love it. And the two of them walked on. They just walked on. He, Elisha said, you can, you can, probably in his mind, he's like, you can spit on me if you want to. I'm not leaving you. Because here's the thing. In Elisha's mind, it wasn't about Elijah. I want you to hear this. If you're in ministry or, or in, in, in where you serve, it, it's not about you. And it's not about a person that you serve at this church. It's about serving God. So if you work back there with those snotty-nosed kids and nobody tells you thank you, don't get your feelings hurt because if somebody tells you thank you, God can't tell you thank you. And I promise you, if you're working snotty-nosed kids, God's saying thank you. So the two of them walked on. Elisha's adventure had a huge commitment in it. Huge. Next thing. The journey is sure to have miracles. Second Kings 2, 7-8. Fifty men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak. Now, check this out. Now, listen, you guys don't zone out on me and say, this is just another Sunday. I'm checking the box. This story is amazing. Let it come to life, right? Like, let it, let it, this is not a metaphor of some type. This actually happened. So this is Elisha, and he's watching all this take place. So they go from Jericho to Gilgal, and finally, he's got, I got, we got to go to the Jordan. So finally, Elijah's kind of given up and said, okay, I guess you're going to come with me. You're just glutton for punishment. And so they get to the Jordan. So when they get there, Elijah took off his cloak, takes his cloak off, which was the same cloak that he anointed uh, Elisha with, which represented the presence and anointing of God. Rolled it up, struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Now, I know that we can sit in a room like this and read a story like this, and and, and we can check our phones and be completely bored. But you're stupid if this story bores you. This is amazing. Can you imagine being Elisha, and you're kind of like hanging out, you know, you're, you're following after Elijah, and Elijah goes, stop, takes his cloak off, and strikes the water, and the water spreads in half, and you walk around, you walk across the Jordan River on dry ground. Elisha's like, man, I've seen this dude do some pretty cool stuff, but this is freaking amazing. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, what, what must have been going through his mind? That, that is an adventure. You ever seen the cartoon when Moses is in the bathtub? Y'all seen that one? His mom comes in the bathroom. And, and he's in the bathtub, and he's sitting in the middle of the bath, and the water's on both sides. <laughs> and she scolds him. Moses, I told you not to do that. Take your bath. 
I mean, a really, really cool, amazing, unbelievable thing. And so Elisha's getting to watch all this. He's, he's watching all of this. They, two of them crossed over on dry ground. Go back to the point, Kim. The journey is sure to have miracles. Can I, can I just share something with you? I guess I can because I have the microphone, so I will. <laughs> Stupid question. You know, obviously some miracles that happen in our life are more noticeable than others. But I would ask you this question because I've been challenged with this. So here's the application for this point. How many days of our life do we live and miracles are happening all around us? And we, we're just so numb to God's goodness in our life that we forget to even notice. You know, last week we talked about Job. And you remember that part where it said he suspends the earth over nothing? And it spins. You know, you're spinning right now. And you're like, yeah, when's the last time you even thought about that? It's a miracle. We're going at a very rapid rate right now. I guess it's this close to frying and this close to freezing, right? And, and we get educated beyond our intelligence, and we're like, oh, yeah, but I know how that works. No, you don't. Nobody knows how that works. It's God. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way that that works. And then, you know, <clears throat> think about a baby being born. So that, I mean, a miracle. So a baby starts growing in a woman's stomach. So, you know, stop right there, and you're like, I, I don't know how, I didn't, yeah, they just let everything and all the women are like, I, I can testify to that. And then the heart starts beating. And then one day, you go to the hospital, and the baby's born. And then you have this child in your arms. You're like, that's a miracle. You can't describe that any other way. And then, and then one day they start walking, which screws everything up. Right? Yeah. And then, and then you watch them grow up. And before you know it, you're watching them get some kind of a diploma, and they're grown. And, but that's a miracle. The sunrise every morning to me that I get to go over to the beach is a miracle. It just is. And so I would, I would encourage you this week to take some time and look around in your life and say, you know what? That is a miracle. Obviously, some, again, are more substantial than others, I guess. But, but there are miracles happening all around us. And if we, if we refuse to acknowledge them, the vidil, the 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 part of our, our walk and our journey gets diminished. And it's so, the adventure is so much more fun to experience when you recognize those miracles in your life. Good? Number four, don't be afraid to ask for crazy blessings on your journey. Second Kings 2, 9 through 10. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I'm taken from you? So now we're at the point where Elijah's like, okay, I can't get rid of you. Like, you're going to go with me, and, and you're, I can see in your eyes you're finishing the race. So Elisha <clears throat> prays this or asks this unbelievable, audacious question. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Remember, up to this point, Elijah has done more miracles more, I mean, he's a very prominent man in the Bible in that time period. And so Elisha says, you know what? I'm going to swing for the fence. Elijah, say, Elijah says, you've, you have asked a difficult thing. And Randy and I were laughing earlier because that's such a Star Wars comment. A difficult thing you have asked. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> like Yoda, the mentor telling the person, uh, and Yoda's not in the Bible. It's, it's okay. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. <laughs> Yet if you see me when I'm taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, not. So we have Elisha that's watched all this stuff go down. And he's at a place now where his mentor that he's been serving turns around and goes, what can I do for you? And he has the audacious faith to pray a crazy prayer for a crazy blessing. And he says, hey, because he could have said anything. Like, don't, don't take me up to heaven with you. I'd like to live a few more days. Send me a wife. Uh, I'd like a house. Um, that camel I've got, it's got a bunch of miles on it. Could you hook me up with another camel? Um, yeah, but he looks and he has seen and he has experienced the presence of God on Elijah's life. And he goes, I tell you what, I want double what you have. How many days of our life do we talk about things that we need from God and we never ask him? It's so true, isn't it? We, we, we talk about it, and, and but, but we never stop to say, God, now, whether or not God does that for us, that's his business. And when it happens, is his business. And we'll, we'll look at that here in just a second. But the idea behind having a father in heaven that owns everything, and in his word, he says, you have not because you ask not. And again, I'm not talking about some kind of weird deal where you name it and claim it, and if you don't get your prayer answered, you don't have enough faith. I'm not talking about that. God's timing is God's timing. His ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. But I guarantee you, every father that has ever had children would want them to come. I love, I still love when my kids ask me for things. I can't give it to them all the time, but I love it, right? And they're, they're both grown. And so how, how be it that we live some days of our life where we really, really have an area of our life that we need God to move in, and then we have this thought pattern of, well, God, you got enough to worry about. And I really, really want this to happen, but I haven't taken a few minutes to just hone in with you in your, in your presence and say, God, would you do this for me? Would, would you do this? And when, I, when I've, I'm challenged by this, and, and I, when I pray that, Lord, if this is your will for this season of my life, I'm asking you as your child to do this. Now, you can't ask for things that are contrary to this word. can't do it. I mean, you can, but God can't go back on his word. But don't be afraid to pray crazy, audacious prayers. Like, crazy. This is what Elisha is doing right now. Elijah was the man. He's about to be sucked away. And Elisha's going, I'll tell you what. You're pretty bad, dude, but I want to be double bad. <laughs> See, that's what he's saying, right? I mean, that, that's exactly what he's saying. You did some pretty cool stuff. I want to do twice as much as you. So on your journey, don't be afraid this week to just say, God, I would really like this to happen in my life. And walk it out and be, be willing to pray crazy, pray crazy audacious. Remember the Sun Stand Still series we did? Yeah, pray those prayers. Number five, the journey is the adventure. Second Kings 2, 11 through 14. And again, I can't, I've, every time I write one of these messages, I think about Lord of the Rings. I, I just can't, I can't get my mind outside of thinking about that. And, and the journey, the journey's the movie, right? Frodo, when, when he leaves the Shire, 
I mean, everything's good. I don't know if you remember this, but when he leaves the shire, the birds are chirping, right? And the flowers have bloomed. And and everybody's happy. And you're like, this is a happy movie. Well, if you've read the books or watched all the movies, not very happy, right? At some points. And so just because I'm on a God adventure doesn't mean everything's going to be okay. But the journey is the adventure. Get your mind around that. That that is the adventure of life is the journey that God has you on. Second Kings two eleven fourteen. As they were walking along, talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Now, the title of this message is the Adventures of Elisha. Check this out. When I was growing up and I heard this story in Sunday school, I would always picture a chariot with maybe somebody holding some fire. No, a chariot of fire. In other words, a chariot made of fire on fire. And then, and then, horses of fire. Yeah, so we're not talking about Pharaoh. What's his name? American Pharaoh, the triple crown winner. What's his name? Yeah. You can need to get cable or something. I don't know where... So, so check, you're talking about adventure. So here comes a chariot that's made of fire. And then here comes some horses that are made of fire. And they're coming for Elijah. And it said it separated him and Elijah, Elisha and Elijah. I kind of figure Elisha probably said, I'm good. <laughs> when, you, when you think, like, I don't, yeah, we, we're separating, buddy. Good on you. I'll see you soon. <laughs> I don't want to have anything to do with that. So here come the horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. This really happened. It's in the Bible. This is awesome. So verse 12, Elisha saw this and cried out. I'm sure he did. My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Now, here's what's going down right here. You've got Elisha that just watched this happen. Then he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them. So he's taking his clothes off and he picked up Elijah's clothes and put them on and the cloak. And he went back and stood at the bank of the Jordan. Game time. Don't miss this. Game time. Elisha made a promise in the name of God. Elijah to Elisha. So now Elisha, I think, is right back at the same spot that he was at. The Bible doesn't say. We know he's back at the Jordan River. He has that cloak, which represents the presence and anointing of God, the same one that hit him right smack dab in the face when he's plowing his field. He's got it on him, and he comes back down to the river, which he's just seen Elijah strike the river and the waters part. So at this very moment, Elisha has a decision to make in his own heart. See, there are moments in our life where we have to make heart decisions. Nobody else can make them for us. We have to know that we know that we know, and you got to jump in at some point. He could have swam across the Jordan River. Like, he could have got to the other side. Fifty of the major prophets are watching from the hillside. And so now Elisha is faced with, okay, am I going all in here? Am I just going to kind of ease into this and and went my way through it and get to the other side? Or am I going to believe that God's promises over my life are true? 
Game time. What's he going to do? Verse 14. So he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. And then he asked this question. So he's reminding God because God's promise came through Elijah. Where now is the God of Elijah? When he struck the water, it divided to right and left, and he crossed over. Wow. So we read these things, and we just kind of glaze through them. That was a massive moment for Elisha. That was one of those game-changing, life-changing moments of, am I, am I really, really going to believe God to do this in my life? Just chuck it at me. <coughs> Excuse me. I need a cloak to hit my throat. So, here we find Elisha. Now he's crossed the Jordan River. And let's go back to the end of the story. If you study the Bible, you know this. That at the time of Elisha's death, he had done twice as many miracles as Elijah, save one. He's one short. He's one short. You can study it. It's there. And so he's one short. And now let's go back. Elisha died, was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to enter the country every spring. Verse 21. Once while some Israelites were burying, burying a man, suddenly they saw a band of raiders. So they threw the man's body into Elisha's tomb. When the body touched Elisha, Elisha's bones, the man came to life and stood up on his feet. Bam! Hundreds of years later. They're taking this joker to a graveyard, which in that geographical area is above ground. They're tombs. We'll talk about another tomb in just a second. So they threw, they're like, here come the Moabite Raiders. They're carrying the body. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. We're a long way from this tomb. Hey, you see that one? Let's throw him in there. So they take the joker and they throw him in the tomb. As soon as his body hit the bones of Elisha, he came back to life and stood up. I'm sorry if that doesn't impress you. It really impresses me. I mean, that's I, I mean, awesome, crazy. And that miracle in the scriptures represented exactly double the miracles that Elijah did. Even after Elisha was long gone, God kept his word. See, here, here's what you have to understand. Every journey leaves a destiny. Every journey leaves a legacy. Your journey is going to leave a legacy. It's going it, to, it, it is. And it can be for God, it can be for family, it can be for self, it can be for money. You have to decide that. But Elisha, he got this double portion by being willing to say, I ain't, I'm not plowing this field anymore. I'm tired of being comfortable. I'm going. Wait up, Elijah, I'm coming with you. And I'll feed, I'm going to feed my family first and kiss them goodbye, but now I'm coming. And he gave his life to following God. And through his commitment to God, God gave him, and through his boldness to even ask. I, he told Elijah, man, he's like, I want a double portion. What a prayer. That's crazy. What an unbelievable prayer. So, thinking about your journey, days turn into months, weeks, weeks turn into months, months turn into years, and life can pass you by if you're not careful. What destiny are you living out in your life and what legacy are you living on your journey? It's a good question. 
Very, very good question. And we may look in the, the mirror this afternoon and go, you know what? I'm not. Well, you know what? Today's today. Yesterday was yesterday. Today's the day you can start afresh and anew and start leaving a legacy, living out the destiny that God has for your life. You can do that. So, so the guy comes back to life. So, so that's a tomb. And that tomb re- represented for that guy. Can you imagine being that guy? What? Okay. Do over. Reset. <laughs> Second chance. That tomb represented for him new life, a second chance. It represented, hey, I've just been resurrected back from the dead. So let's shift to another tomb in the New Testament, and that was the tomb of Jesus, which, by the way, there are no bones in. That tomb, the power of the empty tomb, represents in our own life a new start, a new beginning, a do-over, a fresh start. It represents the power of resurrection. That's what it represents. Because Jesus overcame death in the grave for us, we can hide ourselves in him. And by virtue of what he did for us, we can overcome death in the grave. Yeah, we all die, but we spend eternity with God in heaven through faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. So maybe you're here today, just like quite a few people this morning, and you would say, I need a fresh start. I need a new start. Spiritually, I'm old. I'm like the guy that they were carrying they threw in that tomb. And I need the power of an empty tomb to change my life today. And I'm ready to start my journey. Like today, I want to start my journey. I want to to start the adventures of my journey with God. Can I just tell you, it's as easy as confessing God in your heart, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, and then getting some people around you that can help you walk this out. Would you bow your head all over this place? You, nobody moving around unless you have to. If that's you and say, Jason, I, I, I've not started my journey with God. I realize that today. And I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the one who, who conquered death in the grave. If that's you and you're here right now, I want to pray with you. Put your hand up long enough for me to see it. Put it right back down. I see your hand, man. That's awesome. Anybody else? I need that in my life. I need a fresh start. I see your hand. Thank you. I need a fresh start in my life right now. And I'm, I see your hand. Thank you, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust God. I see your hand. Thanks. I'm going to trust God to do that in my life today. I see your hand. That's awesome. If you raise your hand, I want to pray with you. And I want you to, I want to ask you to do me a personal favor. When church is over today, I want you to do one of two things. Go out to the tent on the East Long, get a Bible and a devotion and meet someone. If you're a shy person, you can find a Bible under one of the seats in front of you. And then this week, email startingpoint at thecoastlinechurch.com and a pastor will get back with you and just give you a devotion electronically and maybe talk with you about getting baptized at some point. Very important that you follow up on your decision. But if you raised your hand, pray with me right now. Father, thank you for loving me. And thank you at this very moment that you've chased me to a point where I realize that your love is enough. And I'm accepting that love right now through what Jesus Christ did. And I believe in my heart, I'm confessing in my heart, I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he took my death and sin on the cross. I believe with all my heart he's in heaven. He's coming back for me one day. And so at this very moment, 
thank you that your word teaches me, God, that I'm being made into a new creation by putting my faith in Jesus. And I'm going to spend eternity with you one day. Thank you for your love, your grace, and mercy that are flooding my soul at this very moment. Give me the boldness to go out to that tent and meet someone and talk with them. Lord, um, and, and thank you, God, that you found me. And I have been found. I was lost, but I've been found. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you.